Welcome to episode 197 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, May 29th, and it is Memorial Day for all of our United States listeners. So happy Memorial Day, everyone. And happy Memorial Day to you, too. Thank you, Matt. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Thank you, Ian. I didn't think we were going to get a happy Memorial Day from Ian. Uh, I was afraid maybe he was not going to be supporting America. Yes, as I am known to be. Very anti-America over here. It is Monday night. It is also the eve of my Aunt Jean's birthday. So happy birthday early, Aunt Jean. Happy birthday. Does Aunt Jean listen to this? Oh, Is she a fan? No. She's not a fan? No, but I would be... Less weirded out if Aunt Jean listened to this than I would if my mother listened to this. Do you have? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Do any of you have family members that listen or read the strips? No, not no. um, not like, not like that kind of family members. You know, my brother listens. You know, reads the strips and everything. But any kind of family member that I may be weird about saying goofy things like. You know, being scared and turned on at the same time really gets me going. You're completely un <laughs> uninhibited then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm free free as a bird on this thing. But your pops listens. He reads the strips. Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad listens. My sister listens. My brother-in-law listens. Do you ever feel a sense of having to pull back? I don't think you do. You're no, pretty I'm, wide open. I'm a pretty open book. They're, the only time that I ever stop myself sometimes and then i usually go through with it is whenever i'm constructing strips whenever i'm writing some dirty jokes about pussy hair or something <laughs> disgusting and sexy then from time to time i'll think about it and then i just go ahead and do it because i i i feel like i have to be honest with the craft of the web comics yeah, so i we need, i just let those jokes fly we need to do what makes us happy like that's that's at the core of this Matt, you clearly don't have family members that listen because your mother thought Han Solo was Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of embarrassed for her. I <laughs> So I'll tell you the story. I had done my laundry at my uh, parents' last night, <clears throat> and I went to pick up my... Or No, I don't know why I said that, because I, I took it home last night. But uh, I went back today to... Um, to visit for the Memorial Day America to celebrate America. And I had left one of our McSauce buttons that Paul drew, which was in my pocket when I was doing laundry. I put it on the dryer and I had forgotten it there. And she said, Hey, your button is here. And I said, Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. And it was the Han Solo one. And I, and I held it up and I said, do you know who this is? And she said, yeah, it's McSauce. Correct, I, so far. I was like, yeah, I know. Well, it said McSauce on it, so, you know. Branding is important. Wh- who that is, what that means, I think means kind of nothing to Does her. Does she, she, so she doesn't know, like, what your, what your side hustle is? <clears throat> I'm she, not, you know, in, in Matt's mother's defense, I don't know if my mom would instantly recognize 
McSauce. If really? I just said, do you know what McSauce is? See, this is why we haven't reached the I think glorious it would, I think heights it would that take we should. Because you guys are doing a poor job because the, spreading no, the word. No, fuck spreading the word. We spread the word. It's because the people that are supposed to love us most don't. Oh, so you guys are shitty people. I don't know what you're talking about, but... <laughs> so, she's like, yeah, it's McSauce. I'm like, yeah, but like, what character is that? And she's looking at it, and she's like, I, I don't know. And I was like, well, like, who's it look like? And she looks at it again. Uh, I, I don't know. I said, okay, so you you got a guess? Like, you just... Anything? And she goes, it's that guy from Star Wars. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Correct. And <laughs> to me... Two out of two so far. And she's like, you know, when he was like younger, and I'm like, yeah, she's getting it. Three? And, and you know, like he had the black and, and the red, and I'm like, Darth Vader? No, Darth Maul. I'm like, what the fuck are you on? Failure. 100% Darth failure. Maul? Darth Han. Who has ever gotten hot? Besides my mother, who has ever gotten... Darth Maul confused with Han Solo. I this has to be a first. It's I don't the think first anybody... ever. Your poor mother. <clears throat> poor mother. They actually both died similarly. Uh, actually, Han no. Solo died more like Qui Gon Jinn. They were both yeah. pit related red lightsaber deaths. So related lightsaber deaths. Yeah. Oh, one was both, more severe. They both fell down a chasm. And said, ah! Yeah, they were, they were, it was a similar death. So, I, I guess, you know, let's, we'll, we'll give your mom a couple points for similar death. Why don't we jump to housekeeping with Ian Sharpley? If you're here already, we've, we've already gone through, and y- you get the gist. You're a longtime podcast listener. You know to go to mixsauce.com. We mentioned the web comics that Paul and myself create. You're listening to this wonderful podcast that Matt labors over and edits and posts. And we also have reviews of comic books that Paul puts up every single week. You can talk to us on Facebook. You'll be talking to me on Facebook, and you can tell me how bad you hate all the things that I just mentioned on Facebook. You can go to the Instagram page. Just type in McSauce. And you will find our Instagram there. You can see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and also the full story. If you're too busy to actually go to the McSauce website, we post the full comics along with the blog posts on the Instagram page. We have some YouTube, a, a very small YouTube presence. If you type in McSauce on YouTube, you'll be directed to our page there. We do reviews of such varied topics as the NHL playoffs and various TV shows. So you can go to any of those those places and to find the podcast, as always, go to the iTunes store. If you're in the iTunes store, if you can give us a rating, that always helps. A nice five-star rating, that always helps us with uh, people being able to see our podcast, the visibility of the general the of the podcast to the general public other ways to get the podcast are also podomatic and stitcher radio matt what's how do you listen to podcasts you're you're not a big podcast listener while you are a podcast star you don't listen to many how do you listen to your podcast i listen to them on the itunes 
podcast app or the Apple podcast app, whatever it is, you go into the app store on your iPhone or your iPad and you, you just type in podcasts and there's an app for it. Uh, I beg to differ. I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. I spent hours listening to them this weekend. So, yeah, I, I am a pretty regular podcast listener. And you're facing in. That shows how much... You know what? You're right. The people that are supposed to love you don't love you. <laughs> so, Ian Well, went- at least I'm conditioned to it. So by the time I got to you, it was like no big thing. <laughs> Before we get into our uh, what you've been reading, we're going to talk a little theater justice because Ian Sharpley went to see... Was it during Baywatch? It, no, it was actually <clears throat> during Alien Covenant. Ian went to see Alien Covenant... A few days ago, and <clears throat> someone someone broke a, broke the rules, and uh, in McSauce McSauce Land, you know what that means. It means theater justice. But Paul, for the for the newer listeners that haven't experienced what we affectionately refer to as theater justice, what is theater justice? Theater justice is the beheading of the offender in the theater concourse. And and that's not hyperbole. Like that we literally believe that this would curtail deviant theater behavior. Any. It would whip in line theater etiquette. No one's going to walk past you multiple times. No one's going to kick you. That's kind of seat. a new one. Walk past you multiple times. Well, this times. was this was this was That's this a Guardians to me two thing, right? At Guardians at Guardians two, yeah. The same two two people. I'm pretty sure they were together. Each of them got up three times during the movie. That's so aggressive. That's, that's a total of six, six times. These people got up. I'm like, just stay fucking gone. And if we enacted theater justice, they would be gone. That is that's a new wrinkle into. The theater justice hierarchy. People but. wouldn't be going to the bathroom. People wouldn't be kicking your chair. We would, there would be no, no unnecessary cell phone use. No no theater comedians. Theater comedians, a terrible blight on the theater going experience. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, some people may argue, well, if you enact theater justice, then you're not going to have, you're not going to have the uplifting experience of like seeing a Star Wars movie on for the midnight show where you know everyone cheers when they should be cheering and you know you take a lot of that fun out of it it makes the theater sort of a tomb i'm willing to sacrifice that stuff so that my own cinema experience doesn't get interrupted well i think there's a fine line between theater experience and theater politeness or just general theater etiquette i think that you're well in bounds to laugh and have a good time and clap and cheer or scream out in terror or any of those things. I think that that is fair. But and I feel like we all know what's right and what's wrong. At least here in the studio we know, but and this is what this is what weeds out you know the the beheaders from the beheadies. <laughs> right. So this uh I'm, I I've become a ex- an aggressive movie goer. I've gone to the movies in the past nine days. I've gone three times. Whoa, dude. I just came from the movie theater, actually. I thought you were going to say I just came in the movie theater. I just came in the movie theater. This past week, I saw uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I saw Baywatch. 
and I saw the uh, previously mentioned Alien Covenant. An alien. I've been I've been waiting a while for it. It's a movie that I've been excited to go see. I went to see Prometheus in the theater. I when they re-released Alien in the theaters, I went with a big group of friends to go see that because I've never I didn't because it came out in the 70s and I wasn't alive. So I'm an Alien fan. I've seen all of them. I own the big bulk collection. I'm I'm a fan. I've I, never I, seen Alien. Really? That's yeah. Huh. Paul's really? never seen it either. No, I have. I've seen Alien and Aliens. You could have lied and just kind of sided <clears throat> with me on that, but that's okay. But one of us needs to be honest on this podcast. <laughs> oh, Are I'm you saying that I... the other two are, are liars? Yes. Yeah, right. I, I was honest when I said I didn't see it. Yeah. I would like to see it. I Like I just mentioned, I have the big bulk stack of them, so I can lend them to you if you'd... Whenever you have a free moment. Well, I'll tell you what, Ian, we'll do a trade. You you can borrow Jaws and I'll borrow Alien. That sounds fair. That sounds like a fair trade. Um, not against seeing Jaws. So this was a movie that I was interested in seeing. Me and my wife went to the theaters. An early movie, uh, 11 o'clock, 11.50 in the morning, very early, before lunchtime. Usually we go in and there. Sometimes it's a private screening. Sometimes it's private screening. Five just to the two of you. just the two of us. And even then, we maintain to a strict code of theater etiquette. You watch the movie. You can talk through the previews a little bit, but once the previews are off, then you you shut up. You watch the movie. You react naturally, but don't hold conversations. Don't have your your laptop with you. Don't have <laughs> other other items with you. So we go to this movie and we're sitting in the second to last row. We come in a little bit late. Why the, previous, the second to last row? Because there were other people. There actually were other people in the theater, and we wanted to space. I feel like you want to space out a little bit. Today I went to a movie. I went to see Pirates of the Caribbean, and somebody. It was a pretty spacious theater. The XD. There weren't a lot of people there, and somebody, some stranger, sat right next to me, almost in my popcorn. Kidding? Did you get up and move? No, I didn't. See, I that's sat next to. That's. Him. Are you fucking kidding? We sat. We laughed. We had a good. Was time. It Did just you talk you to them? No, it was me and two other, uh, Joe Saxman and Dominic Yossi. But a stranger sat next to you. Yeah. A stranger in an sat open directly next to you. Now, it was one of those viewings where you had to program your seat in and you had to pick your oh, seat, but it wasn't what? that crowded. And he came in late, so he knew that he had his pick of seats. Really. Well, that's clearly an oddball that saw. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. But it you also guys... tells you on the guide that there are other people. So he could have picked. He, he could even just chose to sit with a buffer but he sat right next to me and i looked at him i thought it was somebody i knew i would have moved i actually thought it was uh alan barker i thought our friend mm. and i was like oh it's out oh no it's some stranger i don't i, I would have moved so anyway this i'm getting off the point so we go in wait, we wait, sit. Wait, i want to go back off the point for okay. a second paul do you recall getting a an, an invite to said movie i don't i don't think i got one. Oh no you got not, not do you, would you have would you have left your family, your traditional family Memorial Day cookout? Well, if I had known then how how dumb my mother is when it comes to <laughs> Star Wars face recognition, maybe. Uh, but you guys have it, made it clear that you didn't want to see pirates, so yeah, I didn't want to didn't, bother you. It with, didn't look very good. It's exactly what you expected it to be. Mm-hmm. So 
steaming pile of dog crap. I don't think it was a steaming pile of crap. Well, you just said crap. it was exactly what I thought it would be. It's the kind... It, it uh, hit exactly, all the beats. It's exactly what I thought it would be. It hit all the beats that you would think. I laughed a few times. Your basic pirate's romp. You got to see... No more, no less. You got to see uh, Javier Bardem as a preview of his Frankenstein's monster... Mm-hmm. Performance with, with underwater hair that isn't underwater. Frankenstein underwater. That's what I got to watch today. So, but that's not what we're talking about, that's right? That's not what we're, we're talking. talking. We're talking about, about alien, aliens. Alien Covenant. Me and my wife go in. We sit two two seat uh, the row before the final row. We sit down. The previews are going. Oh great! This is the audience that you're going to see the film with. About two 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 more previews in. We get a group of three other individuals older individuals they walk up how much older i would say in their mid 40s to early 50s so somewhere somewhere okay. around there and they were all separate all individual moviegoers not no no together. no a group of three people okay come in it. two men one woman come okay. in walk in go to the top row so directly behind us and maybe three or four seats over to the left Mm -hmm. so they're close enough that we can hear them if they're eating popcorn drinking talking whatever they sit down and their previews are going they're kind of having a conversation and that's fine you can do that the movie starts and you can sort of tell that they're going to be having a conversation throughout the movie they're commenting on what's going on with this guy's hair Oh shit! This looks like it's in space. Yeah, it's alien. It's in fucking space. So they're talking. They're having conversations about the movie. About the movie. About the plot of the movie. No, no, Uh, that doesn't make it it better. It makes it better, but it doesn't make it right. Okay, so if if you hear somebody that's commenting on the movie, that annoys you equally as if somebody's talking about hey after this we should totally go to like red robin they have like fucking the best french fries yeah there. because unlimited yes. french fries or if you're on a diet broccoli yeah because there's unless they're right fucking beside you and even in that instance you can be quiet enough that the other people around you don't hear you but they don't they also don't care so when Michael Fassbender is up playing the piano, they're saying stuff like, that motherfucker's playing a piano. Yeah, we're all watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's going, the movie's continuing on. It sounds kind of like a live action audio commentary so it, far. It is, it was like a riff tracks yeah. of somebody watching the movie for the first time and not being funny at all. At At... A certain point, one of the guys opens up his phone. He's got his phone full blast. The screen is illuminating it's the audience. It's behind you, and you can still see it. Yes. That's fucking And annoying. the way that we were sitting is I was furthest away from this group. My wife was a little bit closer. Who I believe has a lower tolerance for my, anything. My wife is aggressively aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't take a lot of shit from anyone and has zero patience with everything. And I love her, but that's that's how she rolls. I, on the other hand, I'm a pretty calm, cool, go-with-the-flow type of guy. But this was bothering me, as I mentioned before. Big Alien fan, box set at home, wanted to see the movie. We get about an hour into the film. 
the the talking continues and I'm looking at them and staring at them and trying to make nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. We're an hour into the movie and then this is where it kind of steers in a direction where I started to not know where my jurisdiction was because it was there were some frightening parts there were some scary stuff it's alien chest bursting monsters some ooh some ahs some oh no's some genuine reaction from the crowd that I was like all right well they're just they're going to maybe hang in there and they're going to shut up now because we're into the movie and they can react like that get to another calm part start talking again and I had fucking had it. And I turned over and <gasps> I, I said, hey, man, can you stop talking? I can't pay attention oh, to the movie. And the dude's like, what? Oh, motherfucker. I'm a grown ass man. And I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have to tell you. He called you motherfucker. I, I said, I shouldn't have to tell you to not talk. I can't pay attention to the movie because you're talking and on your phone. And like, oh, get the fuck out of here, motherfucker. Oh! And I stood up and I was like... Peter Dukes! I stood up and I was like, fuck you. Oh, shit! And we left. We went and we got reimbursed for our tickets. Wait, wait, wait. I feel like you're skipping a chapter here. No, I mean, you like... Stood I, up, you said, I stood up, I said, you? I said, fuck you. And me and my wife got up and... Oh, you just left. left. We Yeah, we got up and we left. And oh. an hour into the movie, we got up and left. And went to the went to the front desk and talked to the guy very politely. Said, "Hey, there are some some people, some motherfuckers, I believe. There are some people in the back row." And it seemed like the dude at the service counter was. They must not encounter this often. I don't know why. It's because a, it's rampant. Yeah, or or people don't because because theater justice has not been. Uh, officially passed. It's yet not the law of national, the land, right? Which I feel like Memorial Day feels like it should be like a good day to actually like enact it, right? America, we need to celebrate our values, which are right. silent theater. And so we could, <laughs> and we could always remember, like Memorial Day is the day theater justice was officially given birth. Yeah, and you can tell your kids will ask you one day, "What was it like whenever people could just." text and talk and have conversations oh oh, it was horrible but you know what the mcsauce crew helped put into action legislation to forever ban this kind of poor behavior so anyway i went i talked to the guy the guy was shook he was like oh oh no oh no and he was like let me let let me get my manager and we'll refund your tickets manager comes out and i'm explaining to him who it was and all that good stuff He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll go check on them and get them out of there, and we'll give you new passes. And and my wife must have had a look on her face like, you better fucking handle this. I'm really fucking... But I was the one verbalizing. I had paid for it. They had to refund me. I was pretty nice about it and everything. So we go walking out, and... and Which is the real twist of this story, is that... You were the one that was like, hey, motherfucker, shut the fuck up. Now, but this is... normally, you're pulling Tracy off someone's bloodied body. Right. Now, this is this is the part that makes it kind of... Uh, where this, is, this will illuminate why I was the one that had to say something. Because the three people in the back that were making this noise, they're all black folks. And there were no <laughs> other minorities in the audience. 
I was the only person there to rein in my people, which further fucking annoyed me that they were furthering a stereotype that black people can't shut the fuck up in the theater. And well, can I, I interject for just one second? Sure. If you guys recall two years ago when Jurassic World came out, I saw Jurassic World in a predominantly black theater uh, with your people in and, and they were loud. They yep. talked a lot, a lot like phone conversations, Paul in the theater. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. This happened. But it was kind of fun because it was one of those kind of movies where it was like there were scares, thrills, and chills. And I started to feel like I was assimilating with them. There are certain well, because Jurassic Matt, you're Park real does have Italian, some, so. some, some laughs. Okay, so I'm, so I'm halfway that make- there, right? Or at least a quarter of the way there. But anyway, it was like, it was weirdly like... Fun. I mean, it was annoying and fun at the same time. But I didn't leave there thinking, motherfucking theater justice. I don't know why it doesn't exist. This wasn't fun because <laughs> of the way that Alien, there's a lot of analytical moments yeah, where yeah, they're talking it's, about... It's like, that kind of movie where yeah. you need... Right, right. It sounds like a group of three morons that were bored. And they came in and they're like, what's the next movie? We're going to go in here. We're just going to have our fucking conversation. We're going to text. It doesn't matter what's happening. We're just going to sit here and we're going to, like, dude said, he was like, I'm a grown fucking man. I can do whatever I want. Well, you kind of, you have to obey the rules of the situation that you're in. And it was, it sucked, but my wife was like, you know, you're the only one that could have said anything. I was like, yeah, it fucking stinks that... People did, who cares? Are reinforcing they, the stereotype. Did they go in and did they kick these jerks out? I think so. But we left the we left uh, the theater before that you happened. Should have stayed so. so you could like wave to them as they're being escorted out. What was funny you mean so was Ian could have been beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> I was outnumbered. What was funny was the manager clearly did not look like he wanted to go deal with anything like this yeah. at the time. He was like, I'll, I'll go check on them. It's going to be a nightmare for that poor dude. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish so bad I would. It, we had confirmation how it played See, this out. Is, this is something that Theater Justice would handle on day one. All parts. Day one. Day all. That's And that's the point of Theater Justice. One beheading is all it takes. Yeah, that's all Nationwide, it would take. Once. Once. Doesn't matter. Where it happens, once this is happening, look, it happened. This doesn't happen. The and man, you don't need to be upset. Motherfucker doesn't need to be upset that some other motherfuckers telling him to shut the fuck up in a movie. Like it's yeah, it's under. Hey, if you're gonna fucking start yapping, all right, that'll be the last time that you're yapping. Yeah, yeah, like, dude, you better get it all in now, man. You better I be texting your will. I have not. <laughs> I don't think I've had the courage to directly confront somebody to that degree in the theater. As much as like I've been, I do the passive aggressive shit, like the loud sighs, maybe the kicking of the chair if it's somebody on their phone the whole movie in front yeah. of me. But I have never like tapped on someone's shoulder and been like, stop that. You did that. That's pretty ballsy because you never know what you're going to deal with and you know not to stereotype Paul but the fact that you did it to a few brothers like that's you 
Well, I mean, you just don't know, man. I mean, no, but you know exactly what you're. They are. This is this is what you're going to deal with. (laughs) This is what's going to happen. Like, no matter who it is, if someone is already so disrespectful to anyone else around them in a movie theater, you know, when you say, "Hey, could you?" No, I don't fucking care how polite you are. How how polite you are, whatever. Hey. Can you be quiet or hey, stop taking my chair? And I was you're just going to escalate, cool right? It. And I'm yeah, sure yeah. you were, but you're just going to escalate the situation because, like, if they're being so disrespectful from the get-go, they don't, they're not going to respond to, oh shit, I'm being an asshole. It's not like you know, you move your feet a couple times, you kick someone's chair, and they're like, hey, you're kicking my chair. Oh fuck, sorry, I didn't realize I was I kicking your yeah. chair. These they dudes were are having conversations. On conversations. They got the phone on. It's like when some fucking white trash ass family has their rowdy kids making noise and everything. You can't tell the parents, hey, control your kids, because then it's just going to turn into some giant thing. Because if they were good people, their kids would be controlled. Yeah. So by the time that I voiced my opinion, I was ready to walk out. Like they had ruined the movie. Yeah, yeah. So much that. I was ready to give up on the movie and come back later to and make this is, my point. And this is and this is what happens. The rule honoring patrons are the ones that get punished. So now I have to Yeah, you got go, your you got free tickets, you got your, your you money get, back yeah, and but everything. But now I have to right, go now, back and right. see see the movie exactly. again. You've and I been, planned out my day to go out. see it. Yeah. You should get free movies for the summer. I don't know what the fuck happened to the days when that stupid bellhop looking usher would come up and like walk through the theater with his flashlight and just I, make we sure. We all people... remember that, right? Like, yeah, that was a thing. Uh, That's how I got cinemas. kicked out of Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 1991 because I bought tickets for Regarding Henry. The reason why that happens is just budgetary cuts. You can't yep. have people patrolling or yeah. or keeping the order and it's it's bullshit to put it on the patrons it is it's, it's complete and nonsense. Corey from the local high school is not going to kick out a grown-ass man doing what he wants to do yeah well neither like honestly i feel like i've i've been back to that theater two other times this week i haven't seen the manager i'm sure he's dead I'm sure he was <laughs> he murdered that day. I signed Paul, his death here's, warrant. Here's something, though. Like, yes, if you get somebody that's already that rude that they're going to talk the whole time or they're going to text the whole time, I think you have, like, different levels of people that are going to do that. You have the kind that are, that are like, what Ian encountered. They're grown-ass men, and they're going to do whatever they want to do, and nobody's going to tell them what to do because apparently they've reached the age limit where they're allowed to be fucking assholes. Um, then you have the other people that think they can get away with it, but then when they're confronted, they back down like wimps. Then you have the third kind, which are the completely oblivious, stupid-ass dummies that think... Well, if I keep my cell phone down here, it's not gonna, you know, affect anybody. They won't notice it. Or if I whisper, nobody's gonna hear it. Like, yeah. people are just that dumb. So I think you get different degrees of potential confrontations. Ian, unfortunately, you got you picked door number three, which was, you know, the worst kind that you could have. Actually, the worst kind would have been like, you know. You get shot because that's a thing. Do you remember? No, there was there was no, an incident I've, I've, not I've, that long ago. There are yeah. I, I was thinking about that that afterwards. Like there are stories that people, you know, but it was it was actually the the reverse. Somebody said 
to a patron who was being loud. Hey, can you be quiet? And they're like, oh, fuck you, old man. And the old man was packing heat and shot the dude. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Yep. So. Too bad I didn't have my gun with me. Or well, I you know, too bad. You know, too, too bad the American justice system isn't employing theater justice. The American theater justice system. E- exactly. So why don't we talk a little what you've been reading? We've all read some comic books over the last week. Uh, Matt, did you remember what you read? No, I, I, well, yeah, I know what I'm going to talk about, but I don't, there was something else that I wanted to talk about and I'm like, well, was it Marvel or was it DC? I literally, it has completely escaped my mind. I don't know if that's early onset dementia or what, but this isn't good. Like that shouldn't be happening. I don't think that kind of thing should be happening either, but I, I feel the same way. There's seemingly innocuous stuff that, why would I fucking forget that? It just happened a day ago. It happened earlier today. Paul, has this ever? And it's just gone. Has this ever happened to you? This one's really embarrassing. You go to punch in the the password on your phone. Son of a bitch! I forgot it. Do it fifty times a day. Um. Well, maybe it's because you're thinking about it. Because that kind of thing should be muscle memory at that point. Right. Agreed. But. I've been locked out of my phone because I've messed it up enough. I've forgotten my PIN number on my debit card. You know, you go to pay for shit and you're like, oh, what is it? I haven't, ha- I haven't had either of those. Yeah, so obviously I have problems. Luckily, I remembered one of the comic books that I read. And uh, it's a new image title called Regression. Have you heard about this one? No, it doesn't. I'm probably thinking about something else. I don't... Is it new? What, did you read Regression Number 1? I read Regression Number 1, yeah. When was it released? It was released... I don't know. Like... Maybe like three weeks ago. Okay. Uh, the the story was written by uh, Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn? Colin Bunn. What else has Colin Bunn written? <clears throat> X-Men Blue. Cullen Bunn also read, uh, read. Cullen Bunn also wrote a really good run on Sinestro until DC was like, we're going to fold Sinestro into all this other Green Lantern garbage, and uh, Cullen Bunn's going to have to write to the whims of Robert Venditti instead of doing what he wants, and then it sucked. So, well, anyway, uh, it's it's drawn. This comic book regression is drawn by a guy named Danny uh, Luckert. L-U-C-K-E-R-T. Little okay. Danny Luckert. Little da- He's probably like seven feet tall. But anyway, Danny Luckert drew this book, and it's pretty cool artwork. It fits for what it is. It has a... I'll tell you what. The, the story has a very Animal Man kind of vibe to it, and we're talking the uh, Jeff Lemire Animal Man in terms of just the, the darkness of the story. It's about a guy that basically has these weird blackouts and he's really struggling to kind of get over it. And, and it starts out where he's at some picnic and and he's seeing things that he shouldn't see, like, like bugs crawling out of somebody's face. And, That's disturbing. And, yeah. and, it, and it's just like shit that isn't it does there. It have that travel foreman, animal man feel. Yeah, and 
and and he's getting like really tense at, at this party and then you're introduced to his to his friend um I'm trying to remember what her name Molly is her name and uh basically it turns out that Molly knows a guy that can help our um our our hero whatever his name was I forget his name's Adrian uh, can help Adrian cope with his visions and blackouts and things that he has by doing hypnotherapy. And then I started thinking, okay, there's a cookout and there's a hypnotherapist sort of feeling like movie office space. And uh, so he goes and he meets this hypnotherapist that also moonlights as like a, uh, you know, like a comedy club stage magician dude. And he meets him and, and the guy basically says, Hey, look, I can help you with this. And, um, he explains, you know, with, uh, his methods on how he can help him cope. And as it turns out, it looks like Adrian has lived a previous life. Like there's a, there's a such thing as reincarnation, hence like the regression. Apparently like that's part of like what this is. And he starts to have these visions on who he may have been in a previous life, which was maybe this like killer. And he starts to see, like, I think there are aspects of this killer that are like manifesting itself in who he is today. And, uh, he's all freaked out. And at the end of the session, he goes home and, um, you know, he has these bizarre visions right before bed and then he wakes up and, um, He's like, oh, it was all a dream. So what does he do? He calls this hypnotherapist up and then you see the uh, the ne- the final page. I'm going to spoil this for you. So listeners, if you don't want to hear what happens, fast forward a minute. So you see the, uh, the final page. Can I spoil it for you guys? Yeah, go ahead. The final page of the comic book, the phone's ringing in uh, the hypnotherapist's apartment and you realize that um, somebody has murdered him. He's tied up with some kind of ritualistic carvings in his chest. And uh, I think that Adrian's visions might not have just been visions. He may have actually like sub, not subconsciously, but yeah, subconsciously like went and killed this guy in a really gruesome fashion. It's um, it's a dark book. It's a, There's a really fun little write-up about maybe like, what what regression actually is by Colin Bunn and where the where the inspiration came from the story and um it, it's it was really enjoyable it, i like i liked it a lot that seems right up your alley you're a big serial killer fanatic so that seems sort of in the vein of the things that you would enjoy yeah it it really is and then there's like these little character kind of looking bio type things it it like a sketchbook and at the end and you see the main character what kind of shirt is he wearing there ian looks like an iron maiden shirt an iron here. maiden shirt paul so yeah, i was like okay absolutely. i get i can get behind this so was this made for matt it yeah it, st- it kind of feels that way made for matt mfm <laughs> so anyway that's what i read i liked it i'd, I'd recommend it um it probably has, uh, you know, like that nail biter kind of vibe to it. Yeah, that's what it looks like so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little different, a little more like uh, psychological, psychological, psycho like, yeah, mystery. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. less direct. 
you know, the, the nail biter stuff while kind of wacky mm-hmm. was still grounded. Whereas this feels like it could go in a lot of different directions. I think it's a little grounded with, uh, like your explanation of it seems like, um, you know, that's something like, uh, something that could possibly happen to someone where mm-hmm. they devolve and go backwards. Yeah. This, um, I'm flipping through in this artwork, does have a real disturbing kind of... I don't know why bugs are so gross. Like, so goddamn gross. They, if you they saw really are. this toilet overflowing with every kind of bug and larva that you could ever possibly imagine, it's Ian, just disgusting. I'm starting to feel like my car is infested with spiders. You think so? Well, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Last week when we went to the uh, Three Rivers comic book convention. Uh, When I got there on Saturday and I'm unloading my car with all the crap, I see this uh, black and white spider running across my seat and down along kind of the front of it. And this is the back seat. Mm -hmm. So I'm like gathering stuff out. And I about dropped everything when I saw it. I, I was horrified. I was like, I was driving around with that the whole time. Well... I managed to kill it by mustering up every ounce of bravery that I that I have because I am petrified, Paul, of spiders. Fast forward to today, one week later, one week and a day later, I see the same kind of spider on the outside of my car, right under the headlight, a little bit bigger this time. I'm like, what is going on here? And of course, I had to kill it or maybe I had my dad kill it, but that's not really the point. And I, I don't know if they're coming out of my car or if it was a coincidence or what, but there are entirely too many of these black and white spiders. I can't take it, man. You're going to have to bomb your car to, I guess, rid them of this spider presence. Yeah. That book looks pretty creepy. It's something that, uh, Ian, you would like I it. I might. Uh, yeah, I think fact, I'm going to I think, I think check both of you guys would like it. Yeah, I think I'll check it out. I like Nailbiter. I know. I think Paul liked Nailbiter a little more than I did. I fell yeah, off after I the first arc. a lot. But um, that seems like something that I would be interested in. I Nailbiter just ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a story that you could you can get the whole thing. You know, there's a beginning and an end to it, so I always enjoy that. It it's not a something that I need, but I do enjoy the thought of having the, the entire story right there for, mm-hmm. for me. So, uh, Paul, is there a book that book or books that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I jumped into, uh, well, it wasn't, I didn't really jump into it. I bought all new guardians of the galaxy. Number one, the latest relaunch of guardians of the galaxy. I really liked Volume 2. It wasn't as good as the first one, but I love those characters. I love that universe. I love the Abnett Landing run on the book, so I want I want to buy a Guardians book. Um, when I saw that Brian Bendis wasn't writing this, when I saw it was written by Jerry Dugan, I thought this is a great opportunity to jump in. Jerry Dugan wrote... A lot of really good uh, Nova books when they they relaunched Nova and it was Sam Alexander, uh, Jeff Loeb 
kicked the book off, but then Jerry Dugan took over and really ran with the ball and really did some great stuff. So when I saw Jerry Dugan was writing it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can get behind this. So it's drawn by Aaron Cooter, Cooter, Aaron Cooter, K-U-D-E-R. And Aaron Cooter's work is very unique. I feel like there's a lot of little detail that goes into it. Not dissimilar in a way to Mike Henderson from Nailbiter, but the way he draws, uh, he draws some faces. But if you want to see what happens to the cinematic Guardians of the Galaxy when they're not in movies, this is the book. Even down to the trade dress, which is bright colors, you know, the pinks and the blues, the yellows. Like, this is, hey, let's write a book about the movies. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, look at this title splash page. Huge. That, yep. Yeah, pink and blue. style, pink and blue. Smash and a grab. Lot of yellows, a lot of, um, lot of like spray paintish type and artwork. Yeah, it's, uh, this is. Is the Ravengers logo, is that something that's movie specific or is that something that they pulled from the comics before? It's something they pulled from the comics before. That's mm -hmm. the, it was the Star-Lord logo. Yeah. But the movies reappropriated it for, to be the Ravengers thing. So like, why does, why does Star-Lord have this? Why is, why does he wear this? Oh, because this is what he's from, blah, blah, blah. But it was really just Star-Lord. Yeah. So it's one of those dumb things that like I wish they wouldn't have fucked around with. But it's you know, it's fine. But this is um it's it's I like it. I'm I'm gonna pick up I only got the first issue. I'm definitely gonna pick up number two. But I wish it had a little more of the personality that the old series had. Mm -hmm. Uh Abnett Landing, for my money, is the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Bendis's run was too Bendis. It was all Bendis. Everyone sounded like Bendis. <coughs> Everyone was quippy and funny. Uh, this this is written like the movie. Mm -hmm. You get the movie characters. You get their personalities. Um, it was good. If you like the movies, you're you're gonna like this book. The you know the interactions between the characters are the same. They sound the same. Uh, you know, Peter Quill sounds like, you know, his he speaks in the voice of um, Chris Pratt. Rocket sounds like um, Bradley Cooper. So, so that's a win then for the creators. I'm sure that's exactly yeah. what they're going for. Yeah, it absolutely seems like win-win for the creators. But there's there's like there's some stuff that. There's some stuff that I really liked about the old Guardians, like Gamora really being reluctant to be to be part of this. Um, the way that she looks different now, Gamora used to have green hair, green skin, like the colors on her were more predominant, and now they're kind of faded into the green more so that, she, and now she just has black hair, yeah. which you know represents more of what she looks like from the movies. Uh, you know, Drax has more of the like. Well, I guess Drax still looks like Drax in the Drax. movies looks almost gray and red, whereas in the comics he's 
a pretty vibrant green and red. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's weird aesthetic stuff like that. Like if you go back and read the Abnett Landing run, Star Lord's brunette. He's got brown hair, but then blonde hands when Chris Pratt takes over, and then when they started at Bendis's run, all of a sudden Star Lord's blonde. Yeah, and he's blonde in this too. Uh, it's it's little weird stuff like that that I I hate that, and maybe it's because maybe it's because DC hasn't had so much success with their movies that the comic arm doesn't feel the need to bend to the will of the success of the movies. But and every Marvel writer, artist, executive will come out and say we don't do that, we don't bend to the will of the movies, but they fucking do. They clearly do. I mean, down to aesthetic changes like Star-Lord's hair color, no need to make that change. Or the, like you mentioned, the trade dress, the the logo looks like the Guardian's font from the films. Yeah. And it's, it's good. I want it to be more unique to comic books. There are aspects of comics that, that they bring in, like they rig this giant fake Galactus to like trick a planet into evacuating so they can go steal some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's ties to the Marvel comic universe that help tie it to the comic books, but it still doesn't have that real this is Guardians from the comics. Like we are reading we're reading Chris Pratt in the Marvel comic universe. Yeah. So while it's good, I want it I, I wish it had a little more of its own personality. Speaking of Marvel books, Ian, you've been reading a couple Marvel books. This is where we're going to bring it all together. I am reading a Marvel book, and we're going to keep with the Cullen Bunn theme. He is the writer of X-Men Blue with art by Jorge Molina. It's an extension of the all-new X-Men from a couple of years ago where they transplanted the... 1960s original cast of X-Men to the current day. Uh, This book is sort of trying to go and uh, take that cast and sort of keep, maybe go back to traditional X-Men days of like Chris Claremont. Yeah. Uh, They're going back to some more traditional X-Men-y themes, which is just basically saving mutants, helping mutants, um, doing some just just really recognizable things that the X-Men have done in the past. The, fir- the first arc takes place with who's them. The, who's the team? The team is Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, Cyclops, and Angel. All <laughs> Pretty classic. All transplanted from the 60s with some, uh, slight, some slight tweaks. Um, some things that I like, some things that I don't. Jean Grey is the leader of this team. Boo! Girls can't lead. I like that. I like that change. It kind of makes sense since she can get in everybody's head. Everybody knows Storm's the only rightful female leader of any X Men team. X Men is a pretty flexible kind of thing. Over in X Men Gold, uh, Kitty Pride is the leader of that team. So we have both X Men teams being led by women. I don't think that that's a that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it makes sense for Jean Grey to be the person that is in charge of this group. She can, like I mentioned before, she can get in everybody's head and lead everybody, get why, the whole focus of the team. Why on the is same it a thing. good thing? 
Uh, you can. I, I think that if you could have an unspoken way to talk to your team members, you can all be on the same page. I think that's important whenever mm-hmm. you're fighting evil mutants, right. brotherhood, if you I will. Mean, but Kitty Pride. Being oh no no no! Kitty Pride, the X Men Gold's a whole different. Okay, sorry. Story. I, thought, I, I thought you were saying it's a good thing that both teams have female leads. No 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 no. Um, while I, I'm a big Kitty Pride fan, I'm not so sure about Gold, but well, I don't know if I'll talk about that today. <laughs> trying to keep things positive. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, After I'm trying to keep justice. things. I'm gonna try to keep things positive. Other changes that I didn't like. Angel has some crazy flame wings going on. That seems really weird. And uh, Hank McCoy, Beast, is also dabbling in magic, which seems very what? strange. And Isn't he the science guy? Right. So they flipped it completely on its head, which, okay, sure, you're exploring new things, but it seems counterintuitive to what the character is, although since he he was pulled ahead in time by his science-driven counterpart, and he has seen the way that science has warped the beast figure into a literal beast from his experiments on himself, I guess that sort of is kind of a logical thing to maybe explore and do, to have him go far away from what the original beast did. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of interesting. The first arc kind of takes place with... uh, the Sentinels and them, the X-Men crew dispatched on missions trying to save different mutants. The Sentinels, they run up against. They're a different version of the Sentinels where they're keyed into specific mutant powers. They go back to the Sentinels' headquarters uh, where they find out that the, the Sentinels are actually on a mission to save mutant kind instead of it push it to extinction. So that's sort of like a different play on what the Sentinels do. Magneto is the taking the Xavier role with this team, but it's also hinted that he has some other maybe nefarious mm-hmm. plans for the X-Men. Uh, Colin Bunn, has he, he's done a pretty good job at finding the voice of each of these characters. They all sound like teenagers, Jorge Molina draws them like teenagers. They look pretty young. Cyclops, his nickname's Slim. Some artists draw him as like a muscled up dude. Mm. He's he's seems like he's a thin, tall character. Um, and uh, the new costume designs are they harken back a little bit to some of the '60s era color profiles that they had with I think it was the Neil Adams run but some updated designs provided by Jamie McKelvey mm. uh, I don't know how thrilled I am with the costume designs uh, I I gravitate to the traditional blue and gold uniforms but they're yeah. kind of doing that in the blue and gold or the gold book yeah because there's there's they're not um they're not really uniform. Like some characters have a big X across the chest. Uh, others like Scott just have a little X in, up in the corner. Yeah, they seem like a mashup of the old uniforms along with the leather clad Frank Whiteley designs in the yeah. early 2000s. I do like them breaking off and doing the individual color schemes. And I love Jamie McKelvey's art, but I'm not so sure about this design. He also redesigned... Captain Marvel recently uh, or a couple years ago the I, the the uh, 
The one we're all used to now. Yeah, yeah, the one that yeah. probably will be in the right. movie. So he's and he's a great artist, um, um, but I'm not so sure about that. Um, I do dig like the real vibrant colors that are in this book. I I dig the overall fun tone that Colin Bunn writes this group of characters with. I. I don't love the way that Jean Grey is drawn through most of this book. She has a real anime feel to yeah. her face and her yeah, eyes. And I don't like that at all. I'm not an anime fan at all. So she looks like Minmay from Robotech or some yeah, she's nonsense. She's got like anime eyes and anime mouth. Yeah. So I'm that's exaggerated. But overall, I think it's it's a step in the correct direction. Marvel has done a lot of bad by the X-Men over the past 10 years for corporate reasons or just reasons of not really paying attention to the brand. But I think that this, they, they have put some energy into the resurrection brand and putting two X-Men books out there with the gold and the blue front and center, putting some decent talent on both of those books. So I think it's at least a step in the right direction. The tone of the book feels right. The art and writing are are high quality and at this point that's all I can ask for. So I want to like an X-Men book. Maybe I should I had to read this one. I bought uh a while ago whenever uh Olive, Olivier Coipel was the artist. I forget who wrote it. Uh they released the all female X-Men book. Yeah. And for about five issues, it was really good. And then creative teams started changing up and stories started getting, getting, you know, wacky. And you didn't know what the, the quality was all over the place at that point. You didn't know what artist was going to be on it, what writer was going to be on it. It was, it was different. Um, but that started out really good. And I'd like to get an X-Men book that has a streamlined kind of classic feel. Yeah, I mean, Maybe the, this is the, one. the themes and the villains that they're up against seem traditionally X-Men-ish. You can't go wrong with fighting Sentinels or being put up against that um, and saving mutants. That's the core of what the X-Men do. So I think they're at least off to a good foot, um, the right foot. Um, by the third issue, though, they already are having some some problems with the art and half the books drawn by Jorge mm. Molina, the other half's drawn by somebody else. So that is a little bit troubling. That's because the book comes out twice a month. Right. And that's hey Marvel, such a problem. Here's an idea. And you too, DC once a month. That's what we want. Nobody wants twice a fucking month. Stop it. Stop it now. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Um, I don't see any, I don't see any benefit. DC's been doing it since they relaunched Rebirth with a lot of titles going every other week. And I don't see the benefit of it. Uh, the biggest the biggest problem is the different artists because uh, Raphael Sandoval has been killing Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. There used to be something so cool about creators run on a, on a title. Yeah. yeah. But every other week, it's Ethan Van Skyver who like I appreciate his desire to do like 100 books a year and to really be a, a regular artist but I think his work's suffering because of it and it's it's probably a combination of that and I just like Raphael Sandoval's stuff better yeah so like let's just put Sandoval on the book um, same with 
uh, same with um, action comics. It's bouncing between two different artists, and I, 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 I like. But why can't why can't we just have one writer and one artist on a book? Yeah, I don't they don't come time. out every thirty days. It comes out every fifteen days. And ever all the criticisms that we ever throw at these books are. Yeah, it was great for five or six issues, and then it fell off. Well, mm-hmm. that's because creative teams always change. Because they get, like, four of them in the bank, and then they're like, oh, well, well, I guess that's it. I, I guess we'll just wrap this arc up, and then you can be done. So, and I can't really criticize too heavily. Like, I understand why artists maybe go to different books or only do covers whenever it's equally as lucrative to do five covers as it is to draw an entire you know, book you know when that shit started with the uh the bi-monthly books or bi-weekly rather was when uh the amazing spider-man started doing it during remember the gauntlet remember that storyline uh yeah. after brand new day and they started coming out like two a month maybe even three a month well they did it way back in the day back in Amazing Spider-Man whenever Todd McFarlane first took over. But you know what? Todd McFarlane in, in his prime was the fastest penciler on the face of the planet and he drew all of those issues. And it wasn't a problem and he just banged them out. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not saying that every penciler can do that, but just don't put them on that kind of schedule. Let them draw a page a day, monthly comic books, nobody's going to be upset. Just do it, Marvel and DC. Yeah, it seems it seems simple enough, and I think a lot of the fans would get on board with it. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Max, I'll leave five stars. Yeah, go, go on iTunes, leave five stars. It helps us get noticed more. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.